So it's kind of right up the alley where I want to go. Anybody believe in God tonight? Well, it sounds like three of y'all are convinced and ten of y'all are trying to figure out which side of the fence you're going to be on or the other. <laughs> trying to figure out what is faith in God. Something I, I found that sometimes faith is, I think Pastor Simpson uh, said it recently, faith and trust go hand in hand. And when you can't trust God, you can't have faith in God. When you can't have faith in God, you you can't trust God. So if you're having any trust issues, get them together so you can have faith in God. Because just because God doesn't do something or God doesn't respond within a certain manner or time frame or doesn't respond how we want, yes, we become like little children. I know the kingdom, uh, the, the Bible says that, the, you know, the, the kingdom is, is for, it, it goes to the children. But in, the, in other areas, we don't need to become like children and have a temper tantrum when things don't go the way that I'm believing for. Because really, it's based on what God says that he will do. That's where my faith should be based on what God says that he will do. I can believe that, that God is going to do a whole lot of things, but if God isn't saying it, it's not going to happen. Hallelujah. You can be seated. Thank you. In Mark chapter 1, Jesus went out and called the disciples and began calling them, called Peter and Andrew, James, and John. And a little while later, in Mark chapter 1, verse 30, it says, Simon's wife's mother lay sick of a fever, and anon they tell him of her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her, and she ministered unto them. And at even when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased and them that were possessed with devils. And all the city was gathered together at the door. Could you imagine that? You go into, and this was Peter's wife's mother's house. Go in there and find that somebody's sick and you go in and just tell them and, and, and lift them up. And in just a moment, they're healed. Anybody have faith like that? Oh, come on. Does anybody have faith that you can do that? That you can go and just simply lay hand on somebody, pick them up. And it says she got up and ministered to them. So it, that wasn't a two-hour, three-day recovery time. In just that moment, she got everything that she needed when he lifted her up. And then after that, it says people came out and they were all gathered at the door. Why? Because Jesus was there. In verse 34, it says, He healed many that were sick of diverse diseases, cast out many devils, suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him. So could you imagine walking with Jesus and seeing all of that that took place? What would that do for your faith? Where would that take your faith? Imagine that type of encounter. Hey, I imagine if I saw something like that, 
I'm looking around for the next devil and saying, hey, you got a problem with Jesus? I know a guy that will cast you out. If anybody's sick, come find Jesus. You go over to Mark chapter 2, verse 1. It says, again, he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noised that he was in the house. Straightway many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they didn't turn around and go back home. They uncovered the roof where he was. Imagine this place being so full that you can't get in any of these doors. All of a sudden, you see tiles begin to break up at the top. Brother Barnes, you got some work to do after church today. You got to hold a patch. And they let this man down, and it says, when Jesus saw their faith. He saw their faith. They weren't going to be turned away because of an obstacle or opposition. But when he saw their faith, he told this man, at the end of all of that, get up and walk. Take your bed and go home because of faith that he saw. Mark chapter 3, verse 1, it says, He entered again into the synagogue. There was a man there which had a withered hand. They watched him, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day that they might accuse him. He saith unto the man which had the withered hand, Stand forth, and he saith unto them, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days, or to do evil, to save life, or to kill? But they held their peace. And when he had looked round about on them with anger, being grieved, for the hardness of their hearts, he saith unto the man, Stretch forth thine hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. So as Jesus is going on, he's, these disciples, those that he's called out there, they're getting a front row seat to the miraculous. They're getting a front row seat to, if, if, if we could say it, the impossible things that possibly have never even happened like this up to that point. They're seeing all of this. And for me, I can only imagine, if I'm seeing this, I'm saying, wow, my God, he can do anything. But something happened in Mark chapter 4, verse 35. When it came. Here we go. And the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. Anybody in here have faith tonight? Some of y'all sitting there nodding like, okay, where is he going with this? Do I have faith or don't I have faith? If you have faith, wave at me. Anybody in here have just a little bit of faith? I won't shame you if you do. But the Bible does tell us that our faith should grow and increase. He talked about a man, he, he wasn't even a Jew. He said, he, he said that man had great faith. Anybody here want great faith? See, some of y'all think that's a setup. And in some cases, it could be a setup. But in order to have great faith, that means that I've got to go and walk with Jesus a little further than I've ever walked with him before. See, what comes to mind is when, when we say, I want great faith, that means that a storm is going to come, a trial is going to come. Yes, they're going to come, but you're going to see Jesus in a light that you haven't seen him up to that point. Verse 36. 
says, And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there were also with him other little ships. Verse 37. And there arose a great storm of wind. Up to this point, in the first three chapters of Mark, They've seen miracle after miracle. They've seen devils cast out. They've seen a, a, a fever dissipated just like that. They've seen a withered hand that was restored. A, 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 a man with palsy let down and told to pick up his bed, and he gets up and walks. They've seen all of these miracles. And all of a sudden, there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. Verse 38. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on the pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? What's the difference between what happened before and what was going on now? It's one thing when you're seeing something or, or somebody else going through something and believing for them. It's another thing when you're in a situation facing something. Your response changes. If somebody walked in here tonight and they had cancer or something like that, we said, come on down. We believe that God can touch you. God can heal you. But the moment that I'm facing something, the moment that I'm going through something, I begin to question, God, now, why did this come about? God, do you care about me? So everything that's happened all the way up to that point, hey, we, we could have had a whole line of people lined up and people were healed and touched, but then the next morning I get up and I go to the doctor and they tell me something negative about my body. My faith changes, or so it appears. And he said, carest thou not that we perish, verse 39. And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, peace be still. The wind ceased and there was a great calm. Verse 40. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? Can I tell you that I believe many times when, when, in talking about faith that if you, if you ask somebody, what's the opposite of faith? You would say? Okay, we've got a mixed bag. Doubt, fear, and unbelief. But many times you would say it's doubt or unbelief or something like that. In this case, their faith got clouded based on what they saw that was impacting them. Their faith got distorted. Their faith in Jesus got distorted because he was inactive and their storm, their trial was active. It seemed like Jesus wasn't doing anything. So what they began to do was compare my trial and Jesus. My storm looks bigger. Jesus is asleep. So what they wanted him to do, they now now I believe, doesn't say this, I believe that they went and woke him up because they knew that he could do something. What he would do, I don't know that they knew, but I believe that they knew he would do something. So they woke him up, but their lack of faith was in the fact that he said, Let's go over to the other side. And they thought that this journey was going to kill them. He gave a word for them to walk on. So tonight, can I ask the question, what's wrong with my vision? What's wrong with what I'm seeing? Because our lack of faith 
It's not so much in the fact that Jesus hasn't done anything. Our lack of faith comes in in what's presented to me. My lack of faith shows up when the trial comes to me. Brother David Barnes here on the front row and his wife, they decided to go home tonight right after church, which I imagine that they will do, and they face something. And David calls me on the phone and says, Brother Brown, I've got this going on. Would you pray for me? Absolutely, I'll pray. I'll pray heaven down. I'll pray the angels down. I'll pray, pray, pray the fire down. But when I go home and something goes on, I say, Jesus, don't you care that I'm perishing? My response comes out a little different. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning at verse 1, says, For we know that our earthly house of this tabernacle, if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so, be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we should be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given us the earnest of the Spirit. Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore, we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. Right in the middle of all that passage, you get a parenthetical statement. Paul is saying that if I'm absent from the body, I'm present with, 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 with God. If, I, if I'm here in body, I'm absent from the Lord. But it, right in the middle of that, in verse 7, he said, We walk by faith, not by sight. Why was that thrown in there like that? What that served to explain was the fact that he's saying that one day this mortality is going to put on immortality. One day we're going to be changed, but in order for me to get there, I have to walk based on not what I see, but based on what I don't see. How many of you believe that there is a heaven? Anybody in here ever seen it? No. But we believe for something that we have not laid eyes on. We hope for something that we have not laid eyes on. The problem again with faith is that my faith gets distracted and distorted based on what I see. The course that I'm walking begins to change based on, or, or, or my response to it changes based on what I see. But my faith in God should not be based on what I see. We're believing for a great harvest and revival in Baltimore City. We're believing for that. If something bad breaks out in Baltimore City, if we get another ride or, 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 or some other chaotic event, does that change what God can do and what God will do in the city? People say, well, Baltimore's worse than it's ever been. You know, I just don't know. Hey, it's going to get darker here, but it, it, once it gets even more darker, some light should stick out a little more. Some, some, some light should shine a little brighter. 
So we get distracted by what we see. In Matthew chapter 8, Jesus is out walking on the water. We know the, the, the account. Peter sees him walking on the water. All the disciples see him. They assume that he's a ghost. He calls out to them and says, fear not. Peter says, Lord, if that's you, bid me come. Peter gets out of the boat and begins to walk on the water. He and Jesus are having a time out there in the storm on the water. But something changed. Peter began to sink. Why? Not because of Jesus. Jesus didn't change. The word come didn't change. None of that changed. There was only one thing that changed. He began to see what was going on around him and to respond based on what he saw. Another place in, in, in uh, Mark chapter 8, Jesus walked into a town and they brought to him a man that was blind. Jesus goes and he, he, he put spit on the man's eyes. Hey, if I'm blind and, and, and if I find out this man can heal me, hey, do what you got to do. I don't care how you do it. It, it might look and sound like foolishness to men, but if you have the answer, I don't care what it looks like. You see, that's what this world needs today. But we like, look, if Jesus told me, look, that man is blind, go put some spit on his eyes, and I say, Jesus, do you know what they're going to say? That's, that's a lawsuit waiting to happen. But you're going to do something like that? I can't get glory for that. I can't even explain. A doctor couldn't even explain how that happened. My spit on his eyes gave him sight. That's only Jesus. And, and, and Jesus touched this man's eyes. And he told him to open his eyes. And he opened his eyes. And he, he, he said, I see men as trees walking. That man could have stopped there. But his confession said that I'm not completely whole. Some of us got to be honest with the Lord and say, hey, I've got some faith, Lord, but you've got to help. I've got some unbelief working against me. I've got some doubt working against me. I've got some fear working against me. I need my faith to be whole. Jesus touched his eyes again, and this man could see clearly. If you go back to the Old Testament in 2 Kings, Elisha the prophet was in Israel, and Syria came down for battle against Israel. And the, the, the uh, king would set up in different areas, set up ambushments. And the prophet knew about it and, and, and would let the king of Israel know about it to avoid these areas. And the king of Syria, he... He was messed up and talked to his servants and said, hey, we've got a traitor in the room. Somebody's letting Israel know that there's something going on here that I'm trying to do and somebody's letting them in on our secret. And they said, no, there's a prophet that's telling them where not to go. They said, well, let's go take care of this prophet. Where is he? He's down in Dothan. So they come by night. Think about it. If God is telling the prophet that you're setting up in certain areas, don't you think the don't you think that he might tell them, hey, the enemy's coming for you? So they go by night, fine, and they set up. 
They surround the city. And they get up and look out. And the servant looks at Elisha. And he says, how shall we do? And Elisha says, Lord, open his eyes. Let him see. Open his eyes. Or, in other words, change what he's seeing. Change his perception. Change his perspective because those that are with us are more than our adversary. I've got to change how I'm seeing, how I'm looking in order for my faith to work. I can't get caught up with what's right in front of me. I can't become distracted because that's all that that serves. We know that there's nothing greater than Jesus. We know that Jesus can overcome everything. The hard thing about that, going back to Corinthians, it says, for we walk by faith. You ever tell you, if, 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 if you told two people, we're going to run a race. You know what the first thing that comes to mind? Winner, loser, trophy, finish line, crowd cheering, people booing, whatever. But this race that we run, he said we walk by faith. We don't run by faith. I wish we ran by faith. I could get from point A to point B a whole lot faster. Lord, get me through. Close my eyes, put my head down, plow forward. He said we walk by faith and not by sight. If I'm walking by faith, walking is a whole lot slower. Walking means that I'm taking in a whole lot. Walking means that a whole lot more can get to me. A whole lot more can touch me. A whole lot more can hinder me. A whole lot more could bring me down. But you know, you, need, you know what else that means? Come here. Walking also means that if I'm walking with Jesus, I'm learning more and more about him each and every day with what I'm going through. I'm walking by faith. You go read in Hebrews 11, the, the Faith Hall of Fame. It says, by faith, they did certain things. By faith in who? How did they move? They were given a word. Could you imagine being Noah? Being told to go build a boat because the storm's coming. Are you kidding me, God? Something's coming? God told me to go build an igloo because you got a great storm coming? I'd get right on it. I know my snow's coming. It won't be, you're going to get some snow tonight and tomorrow, but that, that, that's, that's the chief stuff. But they were given a word and they walked with God with that word. You found in some places that they got off track and lost their place. But walking demonstrates my relationship with God. We walk with God. And in, 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 in other places, uh, Paul talks about running a race, running a course and finishing that. But in this, he, he's talking about spending time with God, fellowshipping with God. Can I say fellowshipping with God in my darkest time and hour? Fellowshipping with God in the times where things aren't going for me, when things are going against me? Again, like I said, on that boat, they saw a storm and they saw Jesus. You can't compare the two. 
There is no comparison with sickness in Jesus. There is no comparison of devil and Jesus. There is no comparison of stronghold of darkness and Jesus. He overcomes all of that. So we walk with him. We walk in faith. We don't walk by what we're seeing, or at least we should not. Should not. Now, you'll find many people in the Bible that had eye problems. And I got a little discouraged because I'm, I'm looking at these different scenarios and thinking, man, all these, all these are guys. But then my mind went back to the beginning. Eve had an eye problem. Because she walked by the tree and that serpent was there talking to her. And when he talked, she, it says that she saw that the tree was good for food. I said, all right, God, I don't feel so bad. Because I got to reading, Samson had an eye problem. He fell for a Philistine woman. David had an eye problem. Didn't start out that way, though, because on the field with the giant, it didn't matter how big that giant was, he only saw God. He saw victory on that battlefield. Later on, he got an eye problem that led him to adultery. Other people had eye problems that got them in trouble. What I'm seeing can get me in a whole lot of trouble because I don't put God in the place where he should be. I don't put him on the throne of my life because once I see what's going on and, and I look at that, I say, hey, this, this storm, this problem is greater than God. I go and I put that, that, that problem on the throne. And I go and I pull God off the throne. And I put more faith and confidence in that storm and in that trial. They had more faith and confidence that that storm was going to kill them than, than they had in Jesus at that moment. That's why they went and woke him up. Something had to change. Their perspective, their, their perspective had to change. Something had to change with what they saw and with how they saw. Lot had an eye problem when Abram and Lot were together and their herdsmen were fighting. Abram told him, he said, look up, pick an area and go in that direction. And he looked towards the plain of Jordan. He said it was well watered. So he went that direction. And he ended up living in Sodom, a place that was full of wickedness and sinners. What looked good on the outside got him in trouble later on. What looked good on the outside could have destroyed his entire family. What looks good and what I'm walking towards might look good to my natural eye. But to my spirit, man, and to my soul, that very thing might destroy me. That's why I must seek the Lord and seek where he wants me to be and where I should go. Israel, all of Israel, or at least the ten spies had eye problems. They went in there. And they said, and they saw the good of the land. But they saw the giants. And their problem was wasn't just how they saw themselves. It was a perception of how they came across. They said that we were as grasshoppers in their sight. And in our sight, we're as just as grasshoppers. But let's rewind the tape. There were ten plagues that came in Egypt. Half of them didn't touch the Israelites. They left. They, they, they left Egypt went through a Red Sea on dry ground. 
went through a wilderness. And you can't believe God? That God can take you in? Some of us look at that and say, yeah, you know, if, if God did this and God did that, you know, I believe God and I, I'll be on fire for God. We don't know what we bargain for with such statements because we don't know our own heart. Achan had an eye problem. He saw and took a Babylonish garment, 200 shekels of silver, 50 shekels weight of gold. Saul had an eye problem. He saw the people were scattered from him and took the place of the priest and offered the sacrifice. So what do I do with my eye problem? I got to get my eyes set on Jesus. Psalm 119 verse 11. Psalm 119.11. Sometime today, maybe, maybe not. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Psalm 37 says, the steps of a good man are ordered by who? The Lord. You got to have faith in the war, in, in, in God's word, in order for your steps to be ordered by Him. Could you imagine? And, and a uh, passage of scripture that many know it says, "Trust in the Lord with all your heart." How many of you in here trust in God with all of your heart? Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and. He shall direct thy paths. No, what I can handle many times, what, what, what I can handle, what I can figure out, I do it. I take care of it. God, I got it. I don't need faith on this one. I don't need great faith. I don't, need, I, I don't even need mustard seed faith for this one. God, I've got it. But when the big storm comes, then we set up a comparison here. Hey, God, this thing is big now. I'm crying out to you. I can't handle it. Are you able to do it? You see, faith gets exercised. Faith that's inactive will remain inactive unless it gets exercised. It says the, the, uh, in, in, in Hebrews 11, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We know that faith without works is dead being alone i must exercise my faith i must utilize my faith i must add to my faith but if faith does not get used when you come to a mountain you're gonna look up at that mountain and turn and walk away i can't do anything why because i haven't been using my faith i haven't been exercising my faith Faith comes by hearing. It comes by hearing the word of God. In the Old Testament, we found that the word of God came to many prophets. It came to many. They heard God's word. They heard his voice and they responded. They acted on his word, not on, on something of their own, not on their own word, but acted on God's word. 
But many times we have a hard time discerning the voice of God because we're not just simply walking with him every day. The more I get separated from God, the less I get tuned in to his, to, to, to his voice. And I wish that every time I had an issue, I had a burning bush experience. I wish I had that audible voice that said, take off your shoes. You're standing on holy ground. I wish I had the signs, cast your, water, your, 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 your rod down on the ground and it becomes a snake. And I'd leave it there. God, that, that's enough. I believe. But God does not always come out with the booming voice. And sometimes it's so subtle that if I get separated from God and I've got all the noise going on around me, I lose connection with him. I lose contact with him. I lose faith in him. I lose trust in him. What it comes down to is we don't eat enough of the word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. You know something that's hard to do? It's not easy. You know what's hard? At least for me. It might be easy for y'all. If you've mastered it, God bless you. You know that, that, that scripture that says, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you? Sometimes that's a struggle. Sometimes that's hard. Because they say, God, I, I give this to you, and I walk away. He says, but God, you know, if you could just now. So what we do is, or I'll say what I do sometimes. I put a string on it. Here you go, God. Like a yo-yo. There it goes. And let it spit in his hand for a little bit. And then yank it back. All right, God, you didn't do it right. That is a challenge sometimes. But you know how, how, how you, I guess, master that or become good at that? You, you get good at it by doing it. By trusting in him. By having faith in him. The thing that I find out about Jesus is that if he's my heavenly father, as he said, he's, he's got my best in mind. Just because a trial came doesn't mean he's trying to punish me. Just because a storm came doesn't mean he's trying to punish me. But when, I, when, 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 when my mind goes there, my, 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 my thoughts go there, God, why is this coming? Instead of, Lord, what is the purpose for this? What are you trying to develop in this? What are you trying to cultivate? What are you trying to work out in me in, 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 in this time? That's where faith in God comes in. That's where trust in God kicks in. When I can turn my perspective to from being internalized. You see, doubt and unbelief come from an internal perception. When I begin to look at me, what I can and can't do. When I begin to look at the fact that I'm falling or messing up or the fact that I'm struggling. But when I begin to look at him, when I lift up my eyes to the hills. There is nothing with God that's impossible. There's not a thing that he can't do. The only question is, is God, when are you going to do it? God, when are you going to change this? Okay, God, are you going to change it? But if you go back, think back to a promise that you have from God. Think of something that God has spoken that he's going to do. 
How, how strong are you holding on to that? The Bible tells us to contend for the faith that was given. Anybody here like to fight? <laughs> given the right circumstance, you're in the right situation. What you do is you, you, you go take that veil off that was talked about on Thursday night. Go set, set that aside. Say, I'm not part of the bride of Christ right now. And then go put the veil back on once you get done. But this, this, this what we're in requires a, a, a fight. The Bible says that no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. Now, that, that doesn't just mean that I go out here and run the streets and get all messed up and get involved with things. That also has to do with the things that I look at and the things that I see and things that I feel. Because what happens is my faith is, 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 is deterred and distracted by what I see, but it's also distracted by what I hear. All of those mi uh, millions of Hebrews, they didn't see the giants. They just heard a report. When they heard the report, that changed their stance of going into the promised land. When they heard that, they said, no, we can't do that. When you hear the report, what's your response? When you hear a negative report on your promise from God, what's your response? Is it to hold on to that and say, hey, God, this is what you said. This report does not compare to your word. I'm going to call what you have already stated and what you're going to do. What we feel can mess us up, too. Feelings will get you in a whole lot of trouble. I found that. My feelings might be true for me. But a lot of times my feelings are about me, how I feel about something. It's not necessarily about what everybody else is feeling. Well, I walked into church and she looked at me funny. I don't know. I'm a little offended about that. I don't feel good. When I come into the church, nobody loves on me, nobody hugs me, and I just don't feel loved here. I heard, I heard that stated once and thought, well, do you go and hug anybody? Sorry, that's, I'm not getting off on that. But what I feel can mess up my faith in what I'm believing God for. Because I can't always trust my feelings. Just because somebody says or somebody does something or responds in a certain way or I perceive that something's being done a certain way. That doesn't mean that that's the end state of that. What you smell, I don't know if that has anything to do with your faith. But I know those other senses, they do. What you taste, now if, 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 if your taste buds impact your faith, then you, you must have faith for something after church tonight. But what I see can change my course and my direction. If I see an adversary, I'm going to go and run the other way. If I hear a bad report, if I hear something negative, that's why the word of God has got to stay at the forefront. 
That's why I have to stand on the word. That's got to be my support for all of that. Would you imagine Noah, 120 years, building that boat, building that ark for 120 years because of a word. God promised Abram that, that, that his seed would walk in that promised land. But could you imagine God giving you a promise and you holding on to it, but you won't live to see it? In Hebrews 11, it says, these all died in faith, not having received it, but they believed it. They were persuaded. They were convinced. You couldn't turn them from it. Hey, chances are you might not see it, but can you be convinced today that God is still going to bring it to pass? What if I don't make it to see it? That's fine. God is still God. God's not going to change. He can still bring it to pass. He just needs somebody that's willing to carry the baton for their leg of the race. What if I don't run the race the fastest? That's all right. Run your race. Hold on to that promise. Hold on to that faith. Keep a hold of that faith. Don't let it go. But what happens when you become like Abram? You misstep and Ishmael is born. What happens when God is given something and you mishandle it? What happens? Abram easily could have thrown in the towel and said, this is the, this is the promised child. This is it. Nothing's happening. Hey, in, 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 in all senses of it, there was nothing wrong with Abram. He was fine. Well, Lord, it's the woman that you gave me. So, hey, this is over. Deal's off. Nothing's happening. But he, see, he still picked up. And still continue from there. It says that it was, it, all of that was accounted to him for righteousness. It says that he, Abraham, staggered not at the promise. Hold on. He didn't stagger. He did more than stagger. He took a detour. He got off the, he got off the bus, went and got on another bus, went to another state. He went in a completely different direction. I believe when God looked at that, God didn't, God didn't look at what he messed up. God looked at the fact that, hey, I am still able to bring to pass my word because I have a man and a woman that stood that's willing to have faith and confidence in me. Regardless of what it looks like. I believe as, as, as we get nearer and, and, and nearer these days and these times that God is looking for some impossible situations in our minds. Because in those times, God can reveal who he is. Everybody has a church somewhere. There are churches all around here. You can go down the block, go to the next church. You, you, you can walk around on a Saturday. You can find people handing out flyers, people, people offering Bible studies, people with, with, with door hangers, people doing all sorts of things. But these signs shall follow them. That believe. These signs are going to follow. In my name, they're going to do works. Why? Because if you're not weary and well-doing, you're going to reap if you don't faint. So let me ask this question. Has anybody in here struggled with faith? You don't have to raise your hands. Some of you wouldn't be honest. Have you struggled with believing God? Asking the question, God, is this the time? God, are, are, is, 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 is today the day? 
Is today the day of change? Is is today the day that you're going to set somebody free? Imagine Moses going back into Egypt and saying that I met with the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and and you're going to be set free. And he goes into Pharaoh. Pharaoh says, God who? And in the middle of that, the adversity got tougher. He said, you're you're letting these people rest from their, from their work, increase their workload. You see, things might get heavy before the answer comes. Things might get even more heavy. Things might get even more tougher. For that matter, things are going to look more impossible. We're never getting out of here. Moses, you never should have come back. No, I'm obeying the word of God. God is going to set us free. I don't know when. I don't know how, but we're going to walk out of here. I just need somebody to believe that with me. And Moses showed up time and time again before Pharaoh. And at one point, Pharaoh said, go, go, go ahead, get out. But then he turned and changed that. He said, oh, God, we were, we were right there. We were at the moment of walking out. And it seems like everything is just shut down. That didn't change who God was. It didn't change his word. It didn't change his plan. You see, God, if I can say it this way, not to be carnal or callous, but God's got more tricks up his sleeve. God's God's got more in his plan than we could ever imagine. When it looks like the adversary is throwing out his best shot, God says, my turn. I still got another punch left in here that you weren't counting on. That's what happened at Calvary. Because when they took and crucified him, they said, hey, we finally got what we've been looking for. And he said, hey, I'm going down in the grave. But uh, what you didn't realize was I was, I, I was preparing to set free. And so when that time came in Israel, when they put their blood on those doorposts, and that covering was there, they said, hey, we're putting some faith in what? In some blood, some blood from lambs and goats. We're believing that this angel is going to pass over us and we're going to walk out of here. And when that night came, the time finally came, they said they went and spoiled the Egyptians. They went and borrowed from their neighbors. They went out with a high hand and said, hey, it's time to go. We've been in Egypt long enough. We've gone through all of this long enough. But what would happen if I said, I can't make it another day? It's gotten too hard. God, I know what you said. I know what you said to my forefathers, but it's gotten too hard. I can't go another step, another moment. If anybody had gotten out of the process too soon, they wouldn't have made it out of Egypt. But that nation, they stuck in there. They, they, they bickered and griped and moaned and groaned, and they carried all that moaning and groaning on out into the wilderness. But people still believed in God. They still believed in his word. They still had faith. Do you still have faith in God? Do you still have faith in what God will do? Do you still have faith in the word that God has given? Do you still have faith in the promise that he's given? Can you still trust him today? Can you still believe in him? He said that all of these that came before, they died in faith. They didn't receive the promise, but they saw it far off. 
You see, when I walk by faith and not by sight, I don't see what's here in front of me. I don't see the adversity in front of me. I don't see the impossibilities in front of me. I see what's down the road. Or in other words, if God said that he's going to do it, I see it as, as if it's already completed. And I live. I don't just see it, but I live as if it's already completed. I live as if he's already done it. Because if God created all of time and space, he's already there. He's just waiting for me to show up there. So if I'm going to show up there, I might as well go ahead and dance and praise and shout my way on to victory. And yes, I know that sometimes that's easier said than done. Why? Because I'm looking at what I'm facing right now. Peter wasn't shouting as he was drowning in that water. He was saying, spare my life and save my life. In Psalm, it says that, or I'm sorry, Proverbs. It says, to the hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. So even if God gives me a word that I don't like, if he gives me a word that I really don't care to hear. If he gives me direction that I don't agree with, but he's going to take me to a certain place. He's going to do a certain thing. It says to the hungry soul, it doesn't matter what that word tastes like. It doesn't matter what that word feels like. It doesn't matter how that word might confine me. It's sweet to my soul. It's sweet to my spirit. I take that word and I stand on it and I live by it. I confess it. I profess it. I believe, therefore... I speak. That song that we were singing, God is able to do just what he said he would do. He's going to fulfill every promise. So when God gives a word and makes a promise, you don't have to worry about God giving up. He said, don't give up on God. You don't have to worry about God getting out of the process. You don't have to worry about God dropping the ball. You don't have to worry about God failing. You just got to stay in it. You just got to hold on to it. You got to fight for it sometimes. There's this thing in, in sports and football. They, 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 they teach you how to hold a football when you're running with it. Because the plan is if you're running with the ball, somebody's going to try to come and knock it out. Somebody's going to try, they're going to come up behind you and try to knock it out or come from the front, do something to get that ball away from you. Is what you have, is your faith up for grabs? Is your faith for sale? Can your faith be stripped away? Can, can your faith be snatched away? Can your faith be knocked away from you? Or do you have a tight hold on that, on that word? Do you have a tight hold on that promise that he's given? Instead of Enoch, it said that he walked with God for 365 years. And he was not, for God took him. He walked with God for 365 years. He didn't run with God. He walked with God. He didn't just go sprinting down the track. I, I love a good sprint. I love, I believe it was recently, Usain Bolt. That guy could run. I watched him run, and that man could run. The thing about him, and there was one race I saw, his start 
was a little shaky. His start wasn't smooth, but it was about midstream when he started running that he, he picked up some speed. That man could run. You go back some years ago, Michael Johnson and the gold shoes on the track, he flew down the track. Just talking about the shoes. But all of them were sprinting. And God's called us sometimes just to walk. I wish the valley of the the shadow of death was a hundred meter track meet. I can make it through that. I will fear no evil because I'm getting through this thing. There is no devil in hell that can catch me. I'm gone. And I'll take the juice. (laughs) But in, in Ephesians 6, it says, above all, taking the shield of faith. With that, I quench the fiery darts of the wicked. Because what we find is that whenever the Lord gives a word, gives a promise, gives direction, adversity is going to come. Something is going to come to battle my faith. And, 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 and we're the type of people that we build on the past. We build on the good days. We store up the good things. I build on that. Hey, if I could do this, I could do that. And I get better and better and better. And I grow and I get stronger and stronger. Hey, if God did this, then God could do that. You go lay hands on the sick and they recover and go, go, go touch somebody. Eyes are open and go, go walk into a funeral and raise the dead. And, hey, I like this. Go lay hands on somebody and they receive the Holy Ghost. But I show up on my job and they say, today is your last day. Hold on, God. How did we get here? We had the signs and wonders and miracles following after us. What am I supposed to do now? God, why would you do something like this? I'm telling you what, trials catch us at the wrong times. On the wrong days. Every time. Storms don't come when the sun is shining. Actually, they do. They cover all the sun. But the sun doesn't stay out there and just looking all beautiful and wonderful and all the tulips are dancing in the rain and everybody's just having a good time. No, it gets dark. It gets cloudy. And it's like, God, why? Why did all God, we, we have something good going on here. What happened? It's part of the course. I called you to go through a course. I like how some days, I like how Ecclesiastes says that the race isn't given to the swiftest. I like that on some days. There are other days I'll say, hey, God, come on. Let's pick up the pace. The battle's not given to the strongest. But you got to have some endurance. You got to be able to make it to the end. Is your faith, can your faith endure a test? There's only one way to find out, to get it tested.
Can your faith withstand a storm? There's only one way to find out. Get it tested. They make these cars and put them on the line and they want to find out what kind of crash can this car withstand? And they let that thing go down that track and tear that thing up. But you know what I don't do? I don't go read the reviews on that stuff. As far as I'm concerned, if my car, and it, it, unless it's one of those little smart cars that you can only put about one person in there, depending on how big they are or whatever, I'm not signing up to ride in one of those because you let the right vehicle hit them. I don't care what you test crash or whatever. That thing is not surviving as far as I'm concerned. I might as well be out on a motorcycle. At least I figure with that, I might have a chance, a fighting chance. Maybe I can just roll on down the highway. But they test those things to find out what they're made of. God tests us to find out what we're made of. To reveal what we're made of. What's working on the inside of us. Oh God, I've got my faith. You know I'm good. God, I don't need all of that. And then it comes and, you know, it, it, it's, it's like fasting for me. You get through that, that, that first day, you're all right. But kind of like that second day, if you're kind of fasting straight through, you kind of get a little irritated, a little agitated, and you find out some things start to kind of come up to the surface that you didn't realize were there or kind of dormant. And kind of day three, when you smell the coffee pot brewing over in, in, in the office, but, you know, you can't have any, and somebody brought in donuts that day, and, You begin to find out that there's something on the inside that begins to brew up to the surface. And you say, God, why? God, you knew. And then, yeah, you become like Pastor Simpson. Now, God, you knew this day was coming. Why couldn't they call this fast two weeks later? God, you could have preserved me from this. God, you could have had me stay home today. I would have stayed home and prayed all day. But that happens, and it shows what's going on on the inside. All that stuff begins to come up to the surface. And when storms come, when trials come, when, when, when some type of adversity comes, it begins to show what's working under the surface. It goes to show how I'm seeing. It, it, it shows my perception and my perspective of that adversity that comes. I'll tell you what, Brother Fox is a big guy. I remember I was in senior camp. I think I was 16 years old, and he was one of the counselors there. Basketball was the big thing. And I remember he was out there, man. He took those guys to work on that basketball court. And I remember he picked me for a three-on-three tournament that we had out there. I said, oh, I like this. I can be on his team. That's a big guy. And he was the biggest one out there. But then they had this deal where they had campers versus counselors. And we had this guy from our church. He was 6'3". But he had a problem with his, with his footwork, and he stumbled all over the place. And he would have been a good matchup for Brother Fox. But Brother Fox, and, and, and we, they took us out to this basketball court. And we knew it was over in the second half. When somebody got a steal and Brother Fox broke away, 
went up on that rim, cocked that thing back with two hands and slammed it down. I remember that. He had a white t-shirt on. He had like these black and white type of sweatpants on. I remember that. Say, yeah. I don't remember anything else. I left the court. And you, you face the right opponent. You'll walk away from that course, that field. There are some of these guys, some of you I, I look out at, at here and, well, yeah, I can take them. I can take them. I can take you. I got it. But there's a couple of people. I look at them. I said, ah. I'm just going to be quiet. Some people I'll talk trash to. I get in their ear, whisper a little something. But there are some people I'm not even going to talk trash because you, you, you fire up the wrong person. Right, Brother Lawrence? He tried to get me one time at a cookout. He was in my ear giving me the business, and I was, I, I, I was doing bad. I said, fine, I might not score a point, but you're not getting anything. (laughs) But what I see in my adversary will determine my response. How I feel about my adversary will determine my response. But the thing is not to get caught up in the adversary. The thing is I must get caught up in the God over everything, the God who created all of that. He created the adversary. He can bring the adversary down. But I must have my vision set on God. I must walk by faith and confidence in Christ. Not living based on what I see in this world. Would you stand? So when you get the bad news, the bad report, the adversary comes at you throwing fiery darts, where's that shield of faith? Do you still have it strapped on? Are you still holding on to it? Are you still holding on to the word, holding on to the promise? Would you close your eyes right now and begin to think back and reflect back on some promises that God has given Think back on a word that you've received of what God desires to do and what God is going to do. Would you allow the Holy Ghost to remind you of what he said that he would do? Some of those promises, we might have to go and take off a shelf and dust them off a little bit. Might have to go unpack it from somewhere that we stored it away in our distant memory. For some of us, we're going to have to go and Take that faith that we've set aside and pull it out and begin to exercise once again. Because God is is desiring to do a work today. God is desiring to do a work through his people. The Bible says that he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power 
that's working within us. According to what I've got working on the inside of me. But that doesn't mean that I've got confidence in my flesh. That doesn't mean I've got confidence in myself. That means that I've attached myself to Jesus Christ. And he's at work in my life. He's at work in my spirit. He's molding me. He's shaping me. I've just got a feeling here tonight that there are some that when it's come to faith, promising, not just a promise, but living and walking every day in faith, living and walking, not by sight, not walking by what I see, not responding based on what I see, walking based on his word and who he is. If you found some struggle in that, if you found some struggle in trusting God, would you get out of your seat, make your way down here to the front, and let's make this a time of restoring our faith in God, restoring our trust in God, restoring our confidence in God. Some of us might have to say, hey, God, I'm sorry. I picked up some things I should not have picked up. I've begun to live in, 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 in my own strength and after my own way. I've, I've lived in a manner that's not consistent with your word, that's not founded on your word. God, you've tried to lead me and direct me. But I've taken the reins. God, I'm giving the reins back to you. I'm placing my trust back in you. I'm putting my confidence back on you, Lord. I'm placing my faith in you, Lord. Because, Lord, you're able to do all things. There is nothing with you that's impossible. I read it time and time again. Yes, God, there are some days where I've gotten distracted. There have been some days where I've lost my way. There are some some days I've lost trust in you. There have been some days I desire just to breeze through and run through. And you just wanted me to walk with you. God, I recommit today. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to walk in faith. I'm going to walk in faith. I'm going to believe in you. I'm going to believe in your word. Come on, somebody. Let your faith be renewed in Jesus Christ tonight. Somebody let your confidence be renewed and restored in him. Somebody go and take that word and stand back on that word. Some of us have to change our perspective, change what we're seeing. The obstacles are going to be there. The adversity is going to be there. But I've got to see afar off. I've got to see Jesus. And he's not too far from any one of us. He's simply there wanting to take our hand. And to lead us. For us to walk forward in Him. To walk each and every day. Distractions are going to come. The storms are going to come. Temptations are going to come. Trials are going to come. Tests are going to come. But can the Lord exercise and strengthen my faith? Can he work in my life and strengthen my faith? Can he take my faith to its limit? Can he take my faith just a little deeper? Can he take my faith just a little deeper in him?
Can he take it to a place it hasn't been before? It's going to come with some trust in him. I've got to trust in the Lord. I've got to trust his hand. He doesn't lead to destroy. He doesn't lead me to destroy me. He leads with the purpose. All of that purpose and plan may not be revealed. All of it may not be unveiled right before my eyes. But I can trust the Lord. I can trust him. When I have his vision, when I see as he sees, when I lift up my eyes and look to him, when I look to him as my source, I can go through anything. When I look to his promises and to his word, I can make it through anything. Faith is just the base. Faith is what everything is built on. Faith is the base for my hope. It's the base for my expectation.
Oh, everybody, would you sing that? Sing that as your declaration tonight. Sing that as your declaration of faith, confidence in God, that I believe in him. I'm trusting in him. I'm hoping in him. And I'm releasing God to be God. Thank you. 
steps in your promise, but there are 10 steps in these promise. Where are you in the steps? He's able. No matter what step you're at, our God is able. Hallelujah.